What you are about to see is bizarre, unsettling, and riveting. Fascinating, but quite impossible. This is supposed to be a happy occasion. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today we're going to talk about Thanksgiving. I know we're a week early. At least I'm releasing this a week earlier than Thanksgiving. I will also have a Thanksgiving episode next week as well. That's tradition. And next week I'm going to share that non-denominational prayer that I love so much. I think we've done that almost every year. And yes, that's one of our holiday traditions around here, the non-denominational prayer. I don't know what else to call it, the non-denominational prayer, that's what it is. I love that thing. It's great. I love to share that with you. I have another one today, a very brief one, which I'm going to share at the end of the episode. You can actually use this as a grace at your dinner table on Thanksgiving if you want to. Totally non-denominational, because I know people get very offended. People get very offended. We forget this is a simple holiday, Thanksgiving. It's supposed to be giving thanks. You don't have to give thanks to God to be thankful. You can, but you don't have to. But in this highly politicized world in which we live these days, people get really upset, especially if you're not giving thanks properly or to the right God. It always makes me laugh because if there is a God, God is laughing at all of us. Like God has no time for our nonsense. Think about it for a minute. If God created everything, the entire universe, all of the galaxies, all of the planets, if God did all of that, can you imagine what his daily planner must look like? All of the things he has to do every day? Or all of the things she has to do every day? Or all of the things that God has to do every day? Because there's no way that God is a he or a she or an it. God is just God. And God has no time for our nonsense. I'm firmly convinced of that. As vehemently as people believe in God, I vehemently believe that God has no time for us. If God made us, he did so and said, okay, good luck to you. Have fun with that life we gave you. And that's it. I think it was Robin Williams who said God has a sense of humor, otherwise he couldn't have made the platypus. I mean, look at the platypus. It's a mammal with a bill that lays eggs. I mean, come on, that's ridiculous. What kind of creature is a platypus? But I digress. That's not even what I wanted to talk about today. Whenever I talk about Thanksgiving, I always emphasize the giving thanks part. Because I don't think that we as a people, I don't think we as humanity, remember to give thanks enough. I think it's very important to be grateful for the things we have. I am super grateful for the life that I have because it is amazing. I'm really happy with the life that I have. And so whether it's giving thanks to God, to the fates, or just being grateful as a human being, I'm grateful every day for the life that I have. Have I had trials and tribulations in my life? Of course I have. I've documented many of them here. There are many that I've never talked about here. Maybe someday I will. But there are things that we all go through. We all have our tough times. We all overcome them or we learn to deal with them. One way or the other, we get through those tough days. And believe me, I've had stretches of my life where I've had day after day of wondering, how am I going to pay the bills this month? How am I going to pay for groceries this month? How am I going to be able to afford gas to put in the car to get to work this month? I've had stretches like that. And somehow, I've managed to soldier on. I've done it by myself. I've done it with partners. It's not always been easy to get through, but I've always been able to get through. And every year around this time, this is when I try to express my gratitude for being able to do that. So that's why I always come back to the gratitude thing about Thanksgiving. We don't do it enough in general, but we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that Thanksgiving is expressly designed to give thanks. 
Now, I know I've been preaching the same thing for six years that we've been together. I know, it's hard to believe. This is my sixth Thanksgiving with you. I've done six years of Thanksgiving episodes. I was looking back, it looks like I've done one a year. But I wanted to do two this year, and I'm not sure why. I guess because I'm grateful for you and for the opportunity you give me to share these stories. I guess because I like to express my gratitude for the family that I have. I also like to remind you to take the opportunity to be grateful for the stuff you have. Because if you haven't sat down and taken inventory recently of all the good that is in your life, now is a good time to do it. There is actually a lull between Halloween and Christmas when the Thanksgiving holiday and the Thanksgiving feeling is supposed to dominate. I've talked about this before. We've kind of lost this little rocking chair of time. I call it a rocking chair of time because when you sit in a rocker, you like to sit back, relax, rock a little bit, kind of chill. Imagine that old dude on the porch sitting in a rocking chair, just enjoying the sun, enjoying the cool breeze, rocking slowly, watching the world go by. That's what a rocking chair is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a relaxing, comfortable thing to sit in and just pass the time. And I've always kind of thought of November and the Thanksgiving holiday as a rocking chair of time. It's a period of time where we're supposed to just kind of chill. See, back when I was a kid, the Christmas holiday didn't really kick in until Black Friday, that Friday after Thanksgiving. I mean, there was advertising, we got the commercials, we got the Sears wish book, we got all the catalogs in the mail, because everybody put out a catalog, not just Sears. JCPenney had a catalog, even the cheaper stores like Kmart and Jamesway, they had their holiday flyers. They were not as big as a Sears catalog, but they were big. But you could thumb through those and you could look at stuff. But they didn't beat you over the head with the holiday celebrations until at least after Thanksgiving. Nowadays, they've been beating us over the head with Christmas stuff since Halloween, technically even before. I mean, isn't it the Hallmark Channel that does 25 days of Christmas leading up to the 25 days before Christmas leading up to the 25 days of Christmas? It's like three months of Christmas movies on Hallmark. I mean, stop beating me over the head with Christmas. I know it's coming, but it's not here yet. This is the first November that I remember a month's worth of Black Friday sales. Black Friday sales used to be on, guess what? Black Friday. Gamer Dude Daughter has been asking me, when are the Black Friday sales? They keep telling me they're on. When am I going to get good prices? And I keep telling her, I don't know. Technically, Black Friday is the day after Thanksgiving. That's the day. They created Cyber Monday after that. But I see commercial after commercial about Black Friday savings right now. I mean, come on, give me a break. November used to be the rocking chair. Between Halloween, when everybody was all hyped up for the candy, and Christmas, when everybody gets all hyped up for the presents, you had that lull period. It wasn't a complete lull. Of course not. We had to plan for the Thanksgiving dinner. We had to get the food. We had to plan the travel. We had to get all of that stuff ready. But that was kind of low-key compared to Christmas. It was kind of low-key compared to Halloween. I mean, at least for us kids. I've talked about this before. I know the parents are always stressing out about the Thanksgiving holiday. Who are we spending it with? Where are we going? Where are we traveling to? Oh, there's politics that go with the Thanksgiving holiday. Don't get me wrong. I'm very well familiar with those politics, having lived through them for many, many years. Which uncle are we spending time with? Which aunt and cousins and second cousins and third cousins are we inviting over? How many stops do we have to make? How much food do we have to bring? Can't we just host Thanksgiving? Oh yeah, there's always politics that go with Thanksgiving. But it's not quite the same heavy-duty lifting that goes with Christmas. It's not quite the frantic level of activity that goes with Halloween. And it's not like there's any Thanksgiving shopping you have to do. I mean, you have to shop for the groceries, but you're not getting presents. You're not getting costumes. 
Your biggest concern is whether they have Bing cherries at the supermarket or whether they ran out of canned yams for the sweet potato casserole you do. But those are kind of low hurdles compared to trying to find the next Turbo Man or trying to have enough Reese's Pieces in your Halloween bucket. The stuff associated with Thanksgiving is relatively low-key. And I kind of miss that. I kind of miss that. So next week, I'm going to talk a little more about Thanksgiving and I'm going to revisit some of my traditional stories. But for this week's episode, what I did is I looked back at Thanksgivings in the past. Not my specific Thanksgivings, but the holidays in general. Because you know me, I wanted to know what things were like way back in the day. I know I've talked about this before. Turkey, for instance, has not always been the meal of the day. But I wanted to take a look at some of the things that have changed beyond turkey. I think I mentioned it, but I don't remember if I did or not. So I'm going to mention it again in case I didn't. But according to the history books that I've read, according to some of the research that I did, turkey was not on the menu at the first Thanksgiving. They had venison, they actually had lobster, they had seafood, but one of the main birds that they served at the first Thanksgiving? Passenger pigeon. I didn't know that. I didn't know that, but according to the Smithsonian, the passenger pigeon, which was hugely popular and all over the place in North America back in the 1600s, but which is now extinct, was a main course at the original Thanksgiving. You know what wasn't at the original Thanksgiving? Mashed potatoes. You know why? We didn't have any potatoes in North America back in the 1600s. Potatoes hadn't been introduced to North America back then, so there were no mashed potatoes. That kind of blows my mind. We're going to fast forward a couple hundred years now. We're going to go to the late 1800s for a couple of staples that were on the Thanksgiving menu then, which I didn't know of and which we no longer do. One of the appetizers on the menu as a regular thing back in the late 1800s was turtle soup. I'm not sure why turtle soup was big, but it was huge back in the late 1800s. If you look at menus from the time, turtle soup was featured prominently on Thanksgiving Day. I don't even know if you can get turtle soup anymore, can you? I've heard of it, I've just never seen it served anywhere. Back in the late 1800s, there was also a fascination with the Caribbean islands, and one of the big desserts called the West Indian Dessert that was featured on Thanksgiving menus in the late 1800s was a concoction made of layers of pineapple, banana, and coconut. It was called the West Indian Dessert because the West Indies is what they call the Caribbean Islands because of Christopher Columbus's navigation error. Seriously, that's what it was. It was a navigation error. But the West Indian Dessert was just layers of these fruits because they were very exotic by the standards of the late 1800s. We didn't have the kind of trade that we have now where you can get bananas any day of the year. You can get pineapple any day of the week. Coconut you can buy in bags at the bakery section. Back in the late 1800s, a dessert with slices of coconut Slices of pineapple, slices of banana, that was very exotic and very much in demand for Thanksgiving dinners back then. We're going to jump up a few years now. World War I brought rationing to the United States. They were rationing butter and sugar and turkeys. And of course, that had an impact on what they could serve for holidays back in 1917, 1918. People were discouraged from buying turkeys. They were encouraged to celebrate with chickens. They were more plentiful and were not being rationed. If you're going to use cheese, they were encouraged to use American cheese in place of the richer options like Swiss, cheddar. Sugar was also being rationed, so people were encouraged to eat things that didn't require sugar. Pies and cakes, limited because sugar was limited. Actually, the same thing happened again in World War II. Again, wartime rationing affected the celebrations of Thanksgiving. The scarcity of sugar in the 1940s limited the holiday cooking. Instead of sugar, people would use honey, for instance, but even honey was difficult to come by. Apple pie, for instance, which was traditional for Thanksgiving, they were very tart during the war years because you didn't use very much sugar, if any sugar at all was used, because you didn't have it. You couldn't use it. 
I mean, it's nice not to have a sugar-filled apple pie. A nice tart apple pie is good. But we're so used to the sugar, the sweeteners, that it was a very different dessert that we had during World War II because of the rationing. Now, in between World War I and World War II, there was the Great Depression. Rough economic times limited what people could celebrate with and what they could eat and what they could obtain because they didn't have jobs, they didn't have money. So certain things like the meal itself and stuffings and sides that you would put together for a Thanksgiving changed because people couldn't afford stuff. I remember my grandmother made an oyster stuffing. I've known families that had sausage stuffing. They would make a stuffing to fit inside the turkey and they'd brown sausage or they'd cook up oysters and they'd mix that with the bread stuffing. They'd season it all heavily and put that inside the turkey. But during the Depression, that kind of stuff wasn't available. People got away from meat-filled stuffings. You couldn't afford oysters. You couldn't afford sausage. So you'd put together a bread stuffing, maybe throw in some vegetables. I think that's where my mom's bread stuffing came from. Because we never had a meat stuffing when I was growing up. I've told you about this. I've given you the recipe. We had croutons, onions, and butter. That was it. Oh, and mashed potatoes. I almost forgot the mashed potatoes. You mix those four things together. That was the stuffing you put in the bird. I honestly think that's a holdover from the Depression because my grandmother, my dad's mom, always had the sausage stuffing or the oyster stuffing. My mom's mom and my mom grew up in the rural parts of upstate New York, and I'm sure they were affected differently by the Depression, and that's why they developed a non-meat stuffing for the turkey. All right, I'm going to jump up to the 1960s now because in the 60s, there was a change in the kind of cuisine we cooked. The people in the U.S. were looking for more convenience, more of the space age kind of technology. And in the 60s, one of the things that they were advertising all over the magazines of the time, gelatin salads. I talked about the gelatin flavors that they had back in the 60s. They had an Italian vegetable jello. They had a celery flavored jello. And back in the day, magazines like Bon Appetit recommended a gelatinized Waldorf salad. So you would have all the traditional ingredients of a Waldorf salad. Walnuts, candied cranberries, sour cream. But you'd put it in a gelatin. It sounds disgusting, doesn't it? I remember my mother made a celery gelatin. And she would put shredded carrots in the celery gelatin. That was a side that we sometimes had for dinner. I don't remember it specifically for a Thanksgiving. But it wouldn't surprise me that we had it. But yeah, the cooking magazines, the gourmet magazines, they recommended gelatinized salads. And I can't imagine anything more gross than that. Well, I can, but that's right up there on the grossness list. And thank God we got away from that. Now we're going to jump up to the early 2000s now. Something that was big for about a week. Okay, maybe it was a few years, but it didn't feel like that long. But I do remember people talking about turducken. The turducken was a combination of a chicken inside a duck inside a turkey. There was often a layer of sausage or bacon stuffed between the various birds as they were stuffed together. Kind of like a liner, I guess. The turducken was one of those meat-on-meat protein-packed meals. It was supposed to be a cool Thanksgiving meal that was different. But there were several problems with turducken. It was ultra-rich. It took a long time to cook. And in order to get the chicken inside the duck, inside the turkey, you had to debone the chicken, and then you had to debone the duck. Do you know how long it takes to debone a chicken and then debone a duck in order to cook them together inside a turkey? It's more than a couple minutes. I never had a turducken, never wanted to have a turducken, and thank God, for the most part, it's one of those forgotten dishes that I'm glad we forgot about. I mean, we remember it, but it's best left to the dustbin of history, as they say. The other thing that still makes the rounds, it's not really forgotten, although it seems to be a little less popular than it used to be, 
deep frying the turkey. I know people still do it. I still see them sell the turkey deep fryers at the stores. I still see them sell those five-gallon jugs of oil, and they're only used for deep frying a turkey. But I've seen so many videos of fires coming out of those things. I've heard too many stories about decks going up in flames. I've heard too many stories about people getting hurt trying to deep fry a turkey. I've heard it's supposed to be very good. I've just never had any desire whatsoever to deep fry a turkey. It's still one of those things you can do. I'm just not sure why you'd want to. Well, let me correct that. I do know why you would want to. Turkey is a very difficult meat to cook. Roasting a turkey and getting it right is very, very difficult. I've talked about this before. I've tried many different ways to get a turkey correctly roasted, but it's just very difficult to get it done right. I've tried brining a turkey. It was a waste of a lot of good spices and ingredients. I've tried slow cooking a turkey. I've tried cooking a turkey on a grill outside. There's just no good way to get it right. It just doesn't lend itself to producing a really well-cooked meal if you leave the turkey as a huge turkey. If you cook just the turkey breast, or just the turkey thigh, or just the turkey leg, you can get those individual pieces right. But trying to do a whole turkey? It's never easy. So I understand why you want to deep fry it. It's just an accident waiting to happen. Alright, I told you I had a non-denominational blessing I was going to share with you. This is not the long one that I've done in past years. I'm going to save that for next week. But this is from a book by Taz Tagore called Season of Thanks. And it's a really nice little prayer, if you want to call it that. Is it a prayer? Or is it just a blessing? I'll let you decide. But I'm going to give it to you. You can look at the book, or you can just write this down. It's not long. And you can use it at your Thanksgiving. May we join hands around the dinner table to pray for the strength and patience to love one another. May our circle grow with every birth and union into a community united by love rather than blood. May every hardship make our circle stronger. May it teach us that whenever we reach out in need, our hands will always be clasped in the palms of others. Alrighty then, that'll take us right up to almost Thanksgiving. We have another Thanksgiving episode next week. I'll share my other non-denominational blessing next week. And we'll talk once again about the kids' table at my grandma's house, among other holiday tales. Until then, thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of things. As always, I appreciate your support, and I appreciate you taking the time to listen. And until next time, you guys take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.